Hi, this is Chris Westfall, and this is the FAI Weekly Podcast. FEI Engage, Financial Executive International's platform for the community of students and early career people in accounting and finance, held three discussions during the summer for subscribers that were focused on the skills needed for newly minted professionals. Today's podcast is a recording of the first seminar held by FEI Engage's Olivia Berkman with Jeffrey Hills, Executive Director of the Global Sustainability Leadership Institute at the University of Texas at Austin, regarding how finance and accounting skills need to adapt to a world that demands new financial reporting skills. So welcome to our first session of FEI Engage's summer seminar series. This series was specifically designed for students and early career professionals interested in exploring the new education paths and emerging skills that a financial reporting and management accounting career demands. Today's session is gonna focus on the sustainability skills needed for the future. So for this presentation, we ask that you turn your cameras on if possible and feel free to submit questions via the chat feature. Um, Our aim is for this to be really interactive and I'm gonna be monitoring the questions that come in. And we're also gonna have a couple polling questions for you. Um, If you submit a question and we need a little bit more information, we may call on you to just um, give a little clarification. So, we just hope that you you stay engaged and, and submit any questions that you do have. Our speaker today is Jeff Hales. Jeff is a leader in ESG and a member of the ISSB, as well as executive director of the Global Sustainability Leadership Institute at University of Texas at Austin. Jeff, thank you so much for being here. So, so, so great. First, let, let me just um, uh, you know thank thank Olivia and, and Chris and FEI for for hosting the Engage series and and for asking me to be part of it. Um, you know, the the maybe it would be helpful to just give a little bit more of of my background so you kind of understand where I'm coming from. Um, basically, I've I've been a, a professor of accounting for for over two decades, and uh, and so have really. Um, um, based my entire career on, on my love for, for accounting. Um, and, and yet, like I've been become very involved in sustainability issues. And, uh, uh, and so for the last 10 years, uh, I've been involved in developing standards, um, that, that help companies to report on sustainability issues. And, uh, uh, and so that's become also the, the center of, of my work at the University of Texas as well. So I, uh, as Olivia mentioned, I'm uh, you know, heading up a, a sustainability center there, but also the, the teaching that I'm doing there now is on corporate sustainability. Um, uh, so what I wanted to do today is, is just give a bit of context for that. And so um, maybe just um, making sure that uh, my slides are advancing. Is that today? They move okay. That's always a good sign. I wanted to start off just like asking kind of like this fundamental question because a lot of times people have different conceptions uh, of what accounting is really about. You know, students have different perspectives, and you know, professionals have different perspectives of what it's uh, about. And um, you know, one way to think about this is like if you had to boil accounting down to its essential components, what would they be? And uh, you know, there are lots of different takes on this. But um, but one of the things when I ask my students about this is, uh, you know, sometimes they say, oh, it's about you know, numbers. It's about you know, measuring things in dollars and cents. It's about debits and credits. You know, there are a lot of different things that it's about. But one way I say, like, you, you know, let's 
to get to the essential parts of what accounting really is, let's think about like what are the traditional types of accounting that are out there. And you know, I'll just call these like financial, managerial, and tax. These are you know often different tracks that universities offer in terms of education, and and career professionals move uh, in different directions based on these kinds of classifications. But they're all types of accounting. You know, and uh, and of course, auditing is the checking of of that. But when you think about financial accounting and reporting, it's you know all about reporting business information to external users, people outside of the company. When you think about managerial accounting, that's really about you know reporting business information, tracking it, uh, and using it internally. Uh, and then tax reporting is really about taking business information and transmitting that to to tax authorities. So. You know, when I think about it, when you think about it that way, you can see that there are some, you know, things that are in common and there are things that are are different. Uh, you know, there's reporting of business information is kind of consistent among all of the different types of accounting, but there are different types of users, external, internal, or tax authorities. And so, you know, whether it's investors and creditors outside of a company, it's, uh, you know, the uh, the executive level or division managers inside of a company or uh, people running particular um, uh, projects. There's a lot of information that's needed to do that. Uh, and then, of course, taxing authorities, they decide what, uh, uh, you know, they they ask for information about how much companies are earning and in what ways they're earning it so that they can figure out what is an appropriate tax uh, liability for the company. So, when you look at it through that lens, how are these all related? I really think of this as like, I mean, it's, in a lot of ways, it's right there in the name. What's fundamental to accounting is that accounting is all about facilitating accountability, right? Um, it means that we don't ever measure information just for the sake of measuring it. I hope we don't, right? If, if there is any part of of, of accounting where it's just like we measure that, but then nobody does anything with it. That's a part of accounting we should get rid of because it's all about facilitating accountability. Uh, and if you're going to do that, if accounting is going to do that well, you have to answer questions like, well, to whom are you facilitating accountability and over what sorts of things? And that's why we actually have these different types of accounting. We have financial accounting and reporting because the people who sit outside of a, of a corporation and are deciding whether to lend money or whether to invest in the company, they need certain information for that. And that's not the same information that you actually need to run a company. And that's why managerial accounting is different than that because they sit inside the company. They make different decisions. They're making decisions about, you know, what, what, uh, you know, what to invest in, which uh, products to, to develop, which ones they need more resources in, what they should do with their uh, employees, uh, how much all this is costing them. And, and then, of course, when it comes to taxes, uh, you know, taxing authorities are trying to figure out what, what you know, how are they going to fund the, the, the revenue that's you know, the operations of the government that are needed given the, the tax basis and, and what sorts of activities do they want to encourage or discourage because it's also a tool of public policy. So because there are different users, they need then different information that is going to facilitate accountability on those different dimensions. And so that's really how I think about accounting. And what's interesting to me about that is that you take one business and think about everything that happens. So you take a company like Google or Apple or, or, or Exxon, and they're doing a billion things every day because they're big companies. But all of that activity in some ways 
you know, well, much of that activity is getting tracked. And so, you know, it's getting tracked and used internally uh, and it's, get, it's getting tracked and reported externally, sometimes for like compliance purposes for taxes or for, um, you know, the, the capital market financing. So, okay, so that's how I think about accounting. It's really about facilitating accountability. So then uh, you could ask a question of like, well, what is sustainability? And, and how does accounting relate to sustainability? All right. Um, so rather than like directly answer the question right now around like what is sustainability and how does it relate to accounting, I want to just kind of just very quickly kind of run through where I like how I think we've come to where we are as a profession. Uh, so this is going to be uh, just a little bit of like a, uh, a brief um, uh, history of like corporate corporate reporting. So, you know, we a lot of times take things for granted the way that they are right now, that, that you can find out a ton of information about companies. Um, but that really hasn't always been the case. And, and historically, if you wanted to discover something about, you know, what you, you know, a company that you wanted to invest in, you basically had to just look at like the newspaper because um, there wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, a, a clear set of of financial statements that companies were providing that you could trust being prepared, uh, you know, given accounting rules and uh, and and that they had been audited. And so, you know, while the you know when we think about like accounting, the discipline, the idea, you know, aspects of accounting have existed for thousands of years. But you know, as a profession, uh, even that has been around for more than a hundred years. Um, but but in terms of like the regulation that's led to the, uh, the current environment that we have, that's, uh, you know, in some ways a bit more recent. And it, one of the things that what jump started it um, was in, you know, in, in the in the 1930s, there was basically uh, stock market crashes actually first happened to the London Stock Exchange. And then about a month later, the, the New York Stock Exchange and both of those market crashes came from a sudden loss in trust that happened because there was some major frauds. And, and as companies were not disclosing transparent information about what was going on, uh, investors got deceived and then that led to capital market failures. Um, so as a result of that, what happened then is that you kind of had Congress jump into action and they they said like we need to do better, and so they created a securities regulator that you know had the responsibility for making sure that companies that were going to be publicly traded could actually produce uh, you know information that could be relied on. And the idea there was that we just needed more transparency about what was really happening in companies, so that investors didn't get uh, defrauded. So um, the the idea there is really that. You know, if you give transparency around what's going on in a business, that's going to be a way for the business to be run better because people will be paying attention. And it was really kind of like this idea for for regulation at the time, like people just thought like disclosure is a good thing and it's going to help actually improve the way things work. So what then happened is that we kind of launched into an era where we had an evolution of private sector standard setting. And that's really where our generally accepted accounting principles gap, where it came from, was a series of developments that happened over uh, really like a 60-year period of time. And it's kind of continuing uh, you know, even till today. But what happened is around the world, there were uh, the creation of different financial accounting standard setters. And in the, the U.S., that basically went from, you know, accountants were out there keeping track of things inside of companies, but they weren't necessarily disclosing it in a comparable, uh, reliable way externally. So there was like 
generally accepted accounting principles in, in the sense that you know accountants did things, but there weren't like capital G A A P capital gap. Uh, you know, there wasn't really like real rules that were out there. So after the stock market crashes, you know, basically Congress said the SEC needs to to we're going to create an SEC and they're going to be the police on this. Um, and and the SEC basically said, well, we don't know accounting rules. We don't know what they should be. So they created a committee of professional accountants, and they came up with some ideas around like, well, this is what's happening in current practice. But people didn't really like that. And they created another accounting principles board that tried to do a better job. It also existed for about 15 years, but then people didn't really like that. And in the 70s, um, right around the time that the Star Wars series was first uh, kicking off. Uh, so this is like how old this is, you know, 50 years old now. Uh, the Financial Accounting Standards Board got created, and that's been a, a major force in the development of private sector accounting standards. And then, of course, uh, uh, about uh, 20 years ago, uh, that also spread internationally with the creation of an International Accounting Standards Board. And they are the two major uh, centers of accounting standards for most of the, of the, the jurisdictions around the world. Um, so, you know, the, the thing I want to point out here, though, is that even though uh, you had an SEC created and it was trying to basically protect uh, investors by making sure that there was transparency on what companies were doing, one of the things that's important is to recognize that disclosure was never meant to be the end in itself. It wasn't just about uh, this idea that, well, you know, just measure it for the sake of measuring. Again, this idea that, you know, you hope that it actually leads to accountability, it facilitates accountability, and that that will actually change the way that businesses are conducted, that they'll be run better as a result of this transparency. So this all leads us to like, well, what is sustainability? And the way I think about this is like, we're really in the next age of transparency, the next wave. And it's been going on for actually uh, really over 20, 20 years, I would say. But a lot has changed very recently. So if you uh, look at this graph, this is basically a way of showing what I think it was like three stages of, of transparency. And I think, let's see if this works here. You've got kind of like, okay, can you see those lines there? So I sort of think of it as, um, you know, in the pre-2000 era, in the 90s, there were very few companies that were voluntarily talking about the sustainability of their operations. So like environmental issues or social issues, human capital issues. Um, but uh, starting around 2000, companies around the world actually uh, started disclosing more information, mostly on a voluntary basis. So the, the light blue line, these are the um, uh, what's called the, the G250, so the largest 250 companies in the world. Uh, you can see that, that really over about a 10-year period, um, on a voluntary basis, Almost every, uh, you know, almost every large company um, started just to talk voluntarily about the sustainability of its operations, and uh, and then the darker blue line. This is what's called the N100. So um, these are the 100 largest companies in about 50 or so, 50 plus. Uh, countries around the world, so about five thousand companies, uh, and even you know, so these are smaller companies, but still quite large. And they also like there's the same big trend of basically voluntarily, mostly um, producing uh, sustainability reports by the end of that period. And over the last ten years, um, you know, it's it's kind of like it's leveled off a bit, but at a very high level. 
But the other thing that's happened, so this is like, you can think of like the 2000s as really being a new era around sustainability disclosure. Again, mostly on a, on a, on a voluntary basis. But the other thing that's happened in really like the last five years or so, five plus years, is that there's been a shift in focus to much more of a, um, a, a you know, a shift towards investor-oriented uh, sustainability reports. And so this was taken from uh, an article in The Economist, but showing that if you look at the S&P 500, so the 500 largest public companies in the U.S., um, and the number of them that are uh, referring to different standards that are out there, so again, most of these companies would be through this whole period producing voluntary sustainability reports, and they were using standards like the Global Reporting Initiative, GRI, or reporting to the Carbon Disclosure Project, CDP, uh, their survey, and a pretty steady uh, rate of, you know, many of them referring in some fashion to that. But then uh, you had the creation of the SASB, the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, which uh, I was involved with. And then, uh, and then the TCFD launched its recommendations in 2017. And that was something called the, the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures. And the important thing about SASB and TCFD were that these were two different ways of trying to get sustainability information broadly under SASB or climate information um, under the TCFD, getting better information directly to investors. Uh, and so that means that it was really about trying to help investors to make better investment decisions if they could get a more complete set of information. And so that's been uh, a huge change in the last five years or so, which has a kind of a, a really important uh, consequence, which is that once capital market uh, investors start to think about sustainability, capital market regulators like the SEC and, and Congress and others really start to kind of pay attention to this. So I wanted to take a, a little bit of time then to kind of talk about, well, so what is this actually, how do we sort of think about what is sustainability information and through the lens of accounting? So, so SASB had um, uh, started out with this goal of getting financially material information, information that could affect investors' decisions about how to invest in a company. Um, so identifying like the right kinds of topics uh, and by you know, getting those identified in the standards and then having companies use those standards to produce information that would be useful to the investors, but would also be in a way cost effective for companies to produce the information. That was kind of like what I think of as the aim of SASB's um, uh, standard setting. And the path that SASB used to get there was to focus on industry standards. So thinking about, you know, not all companies do the same sorts of things, um, but then also then looking at, you know, well, what does the evidence say matters in certain industries? And then going out to the marketplace and talking to investors, talking to companies, other subject matter experts, and saying, what do you think? Do you think the SASBs landed on the right topics? Are these, in, uh, you know, these the types of things that investors want disclosed? Is this the sort of thing that companies think fits what they do? And do they have the capability to actually produce information that investors could use? So that was the approach that SASB took. And just to give it a bit more specificity, think of it along kind of like two dimensions. So the first dimension is going to be thinking about what are the right issues? So, you know, again, when you think about um, facilitating accountability, you have to think, well, the standards have to think about like to whom and for what, you know? And so the to whom here was SASB was saying like, well, we're trying to help investors, you know, make better decisions about companies, like, and, you know, get a more complete set. And so what was missing 
they were thinking, basically, Sasby was saying, what are the sorts of things that aren't by design, really aren't captured very well in current uh, financial statements? So a balance sheet shows what you have and what you owe and how that's changing. You know, and your income statement, statement of cash flows are showing how business activities are leading to costs or revenues or, or inflows or outflows of cash. All super important um, aspects of, of running a business and investing in a business. But there are a lot of things that aren't being captured. And so uh, so as we thought about this from the perspective of like, well, you've got environmental issues. So it could be that a company's activities that are producing revenues um, might also be producing greenhouse gas emissions or other types of pollutants. So have implications for like air quality or, or waste uh, uh, wastewater that's being produced uh, or those other types of like hazardous materials um, or ecological impacts because they're leading to like deforestation uh, in order to, to, to get the resources that they need to produce the products that the company is selling. Um, but then there are also like people type of issues. And so SASB would have thought of that, thought, thought of that as through the lens of like social capital being like outward uh, facing uh, aspects of, of its relationship with people and human capital being more of like an inward facing one. So human capital being, you know, what do companies ask their employees to do? You hire them, but then what do they do? Do they have to work in dangerous conditions or, or is it relatively safe? You know, um, and, uh, and then, you know, what are their hiring practices? What are they investing in, in their employees? Um, from a social capital perspective, you have issues of like, well, you know, like your customers, are you protecting their privacy? Are you protecting their data? Are, are you protecting their welfare if they're like consuming uh, something that you're selling, for example, or if you're providing like healthcare? Um, and then there were other aspects of like leadership governance, business model and innovation. So, you know, what? how do you interact in your supply chain? What are the materials that you depend on? Uh, and how do you manage like, you know, business business ethics or, or you, know, you know, different types of like risk management. So, so SASB would think about like all of these as being potentially important issues that, that aren't really captured very well in, in financial statements uh, on their, like as, as they're designed. But then the second dimension along which SASB thought about this, like, well, what, are, what do we need to facilitate better accountability around? It wasn't saying all of the issues, but it was really saying, like, well, it kind of depends. What sort of company are you? And so SASB kind of carved the business world up into 11 sectors and 77 industries inside of that, recognizing that if you're the services industry, that's pretty different than being in the in like the extractive sector where you're like digging into the earth and pulling things out of the earth. And that's very different than when, you know, you're like in infrastructure. So you're building things on top of the earth. And so very different. But even within these different sectors, it's very different in the services industry if you're, um, you know, running a hotel versus you're running a casino. You know, uh, they face different kinds of issues. Um, and, and even in the extractive sector, if you're in oil and gas, uh, you know, that can be different than, say, a coal operation. And, and even within oil and gas, it's different if you're the one that's out there, like, you know, pumping for oil versus you're refining it or you're providing oil field services. So, you know, recognizing that different businesses do different things and that's going to have different implications for the sustainability aspects of the company's operations. And so you can kind of see that in SASB's materiality map. And uh, you, you're not meant to be able to like read everything on this. The important thing is that 
you know, the rows are like the, the 26 different issues that SASB thinks about at a high level. And the columns are the, the 77 different industries. And you can basically see it's, it's kind of like a, like a heat map where nothing matters to every company. And there isn't like one particular type of industry where everything matters uh, or nothing matters. It's kind of like, you know, you have to think about what are the key issues that, that, that exist there. So that's what SASB had done for about 10 years in developing standards and got to the point where over, you know, um, over 70% of the, of the uh, global S&P 1200s, the 1200 largest companies in the world, um, now use uh, SASB standards in some way. Uh, but what's happened then is that more recently, the, the IFRS Foundation, which is responsible for developing international accounting standards, got involved in this by creating a second board, the International Sustainability Standards Board, the ISSB, which uh, I now sit on. So I was uh, the chair of SASB leading up until when it was consolidated into the ISSB. But you can think of now like the ISSB as, as having built its standards on, on all of the investor-focused standards and frameworks that were out there. So they basically got integrated reporting, uh, SASB, the climate, the climate Disclosure Standards Board, and then worked very closely with this TCFD that I had mentioned, because all of them were trying to help investor decision-making, but through different ways. So they basically brought all of this alphabet soup on the investor's perspective, uh, together into like a, a single space and have kind of uh, recently uh, we we just finally uh, after a year of working on how to like bring this all together actually really more than a year but it, you know uh, really uh, almost two years of a total effort on this but trying to bring all that together and say you know if you consolidate all of this guidance um, what is you know what does it look like and and so the ISSB recently just published our first two standards uh, a general requirements standard and then a climate standard. Uh, and, uh, and that was really, again, very investor oriented. So, you know, what you would see inside of the, the, the ISSB standards is this focus on thinking about how can sustainability affect a company's prospects? And, and by prospects, we're really thinking about, you know, what are the things that could affect, uh, you know, the, 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 what, what a company will be able to earn going forward, its cash flows, its, uh, its ability to access capital, and uh, um, you know, uh, you know, the cost of capital when it can access it. Like, what are what are investors going to be willing to invest in the company? So, you know, although that sounds very traditional financial accounting, in a lot of ways it is. The point is, you can't do that fully. We believe only by looking at a balance sheet and income statement statement cash flows. We actually think that it's really important to recognize that you know companies can't do anything uh, really over the long term without involving you know the whole ecosystem. So they you know they require workers to come to work and they need customers to want their products. And these products generally don't come out of like thin air. So many of them depend on, on access to natural resources, for example. And, uh, and ultimately like a, a society that accepts a company is doing legitimate business. And so all these are like, you know, inextricably linked to a company's ability to create value. So that's really what the ISSB is trying to do by building off of SASB and, uh, and, uh, and TCFD and other things is trying to kind of like connect the dots between, uh, you know, what you see in financial statements and what it really takes also 
uh, beyond just financial capital to run a company uh, and thinking about these other resources, the natural capital, the human capital, uh, social capital that a company is going to depend on and provide information about that that can really help investors to get a full set of information about a company's activities. So that's kind of the goal. Um, and, and it's really important, again, to, to think about that on an industry by industry basis, because even if you think that like all companies rely on, you know, kind of the same ingredients, you know, financial capital, you need cash to run a business, uh, but also natural capital, like you exist somewhere uh, and you use something like energy and, uh, and oftentimes, you know, like natural, other natural resources. And then people are involved. There's like, you know, intellectual capital that you can, you've written down and you own, but then there's also just the human capital, the people that come to work and know how to like do their job and do their job well, um, you know, as well as like the manufactured capital. So, you know, businesses use all of these things, but depending on the type of business, again, that mix the, you know, you know, changes. And so different recipes result in, you know, essentially like different types of industries and different, different businesses. But, you know, how does that kind of fit with traditional financial statements? So, you know, this graphic is meant to kind of show that, that, you know, the IS, the IFRS foundation is really trying to provide two sets of guidance to companies, how they can create financial statements using accounting standards, and then also create sustainability disclosures using sustainability disclosure standards uh, by the ISSB to, to come together as like a, a joint set of information that can be a complete set of information that investors need to make decisions about uh, whether to invest in the company. But it's also super important to recognize that we don't think that that's going to cover everything in the same way that like, you know, tax accounting is something that is different from, from uh, you know, thinking about capital markets, uh, you know, the, the investor, um, you know, the, the, the financial statements that companies prepare for investors, very different than a company's tax return because they're different purposes. And so we also recognize that society uh, should be uh, holding companies to, to you know, um, um, to more than just earning money. You know, you got to like earn money in a way that makes sense to society. And so there's also a, a broader focus uh, that, that companies recognize and also disclose to. And that's kind of that, that, that outer layer of, of um, reporting. So the idea that we have at the ISSB is to really kind of be like a, a building block where, you know, the hope is that that you know, capital markets around the world, very much in a way that they've done this with accounting standards, uh, financial accounting standards, that they'll also do that when it comes to sustainability disclosure standards. So that a company that's operating in Japan or in Nigeria or uh, in, uh, you know, in the U.S. or in Europe could produce information about the sustainability implications of their operations that could be uh, produced in a way that would be comparable so that an investor investing in, in companies all around the world forming a global portfolio could also compare these companies and say, okay, well, you know, what are, what are the sustainability resources that are being invested in, or what are the risks and opportunities these companies are positioning for? And which ones do I think are where I want to, you know, invest my money? And that's really what we're looking for. So when we come back to it and say, all right, well, so is sustainability accounting? Is it, is it a different thing? 
I don't really think of it so much as a different thing um, in a lot of ways, because there are still, in my view, these three main types of accounting, you know, information that's being provided about a company's activities for external users, people outside the company, people inside the company, or for things like compliance reporting, tax um, authorities. But to me, the key thing is that what's really changing is that like business information, what we think of as business information, it's more than just like, you know, what do you have? What do you owe? How much are you earning? What are your cash flows right now? It's really thinking about an expanded scope of information to say, all right, um, you know, we need to know more about a business than just what it's earning right now. Um, in a lot of ways, when you think about like, what does it really take to run a company? Well, the hardest thing about running a company isn't figuring out like what it costs, you know, to do something uh, or what you should charge for doing it. It's really thinking, you know, more strategically around, you know, who are the right people to hire? What is it that you should be sort of investing in from a, a human capital perspective? What do you want to train people to do? Uh, you know, how is it that you're going to sell your customers products that they want right today and are going to continue to want in the future, for example? And so these are some of the things that relate more to things that aren't necessarily captured well in financial statements. And that's OK, but they are really important to get uh, information about into the hands of investors. So I want to take some questions if we have questions. Um, but. Let me just also just share a couple things that I think, you know, I would be thinking about if I were you as a student or an early career professional or even as a, as a more senior professional, if this is new to you, what should you be doing? The first thing I'd be saying is like, look at the standards, like they're publicly available. Uh, you can go and download them from uh, the IFRS Foundation's website. You've got the ISSB standards. Uh, and then they also build off of the, the SASB standards and the SASB standards continue to also exist. But um you know, they are a great way to look at, uh, you know, what is it going to be expected of companies uh, around the around the world? Uh, and so, sorry. Um, and that's a, a first place to start. One of the reasons why I think it's really important to understand what the standards contain is because standards are in a lot of ways a uh, kind of the... Uh, a center of gravity for the whole corporate reporting ecosystem, which when you think about like where you can gain professional skills and where there are going to be opportunities, you know, if you think about like when there are clear standards that, that are going to be used in the marketplace, then what happens then is that everything starts to ripple through the ecosystem. So you start thinking about, well, you know, if there are standards out there, well, companies are going to need to be able to produce that information. How are they going to produce it? They need people inside the company that are going to know, you know, what what those rules say, how to gather information around that. Um, and and then that's going to, you know, hopefully not be done just through through sticky notes and spreadsheets, but actually, you know, as there are standards out there and companies that are going to have needs for how to gather and report information. You're going to have software providers and disclosure platforms adapting. Uh, and so there are opportunities to like develop. You know, we see that right now. There's tons of innovation when it comes to uh, companies trying to, to, to meet the needs that companies have to, um, to report and to, to meet this greater level of transparency. You know, all this information that's going to come out, 
Uh, so your auditors are going to need to be in a position to be able to provide assurance on this information as well. Some of that assurance will be mandatory in some parts of the world. Um, some of it will be voluntary. Um, uh, but but the point is like that's also going to shape what auditors do. Uh, but also on the, the user side, this is all meant like to inform decision making. And so there are going to be you know, investors, but other parts of society where they're going to want to know uh, how to use this information to make decisions. So you need expertise there. Uh, data analytics, which is a big thing people are focused on. I think of like this new transparency is creating like a whole wave of new information that's going to need to be understood. And how does, you know, how does this information help get people to make better decisions? So, you know, the whole system kind of changes when you have clear standards that become uh, kind of like a, a center point for for uh, a focal point for um, how to kind of bring up, up the market together. Um, and then I would say, you know, a big thing to do is just get involved. You can, you know, in addition to downloading the standards, uh, we at the ISSB have podcasts, but there are lots that are out there. Uh, you can sign up for news alerts. You can uh, observe the, the board meetings that we have. Uh, and there's all sorts of uh, other things you can do. We also have a uh, the fundamentals of uh, sustainability accounting credential that uh, that people can use to to learn more and then also a signal that they've learned more about uh, what's going on in sustainability. So, Jeff, that's actually a great segue. I added a poll question that I wanted to pose to everybody. Um, for those currently employed in the profession, is your employer providing support for education and training around sustainability? So back to that like lifelong learning um, idea that we were talking about. So I just give everybody a moment to respond. Okay. So it's looking like the majority are saying yes, some Jeff, we were talking before we, you and I got uh, started recording actually about some news um, in the space recently uh, that I wanted to just ask you about. Um, Cause I think people attending might be curious. What, what's the significance of the IOSCO endorsing ISSB uh, climate and sustainability standards. Yeah, so this was uh, this was something that was announced very recently. So the what happened is that you know, the ISSB created standards with the goal of trying to get those um, those standards to be used in basically like every capital market around the world. That's the goal, either on a mandatory basis or on a voluntary basis. Um, so that an investor investing capital anywhere in the world could get the same kind of information from companies there. That's that's the goal. Now, how do you do that? You know, because there are you know hundreds, uh, well, you know, more than a hundred um, capital markets around the world. So so it turns out that it's not easy. But but IOSCO is a a member organization of capital market uh, regulators around the world. So the U.S. is part of it, but also the capital market authorities in in like the U.K. and in China. And in uh, uh, India, Indonesia, that are all part of IOSCO, and so um, so they cover the vast majority of the of the capital markets around the world, and they meet regularly um, to to just kind of understand best practices and emerging issues, etc. So they've been following very closely what the ISSB has been doing, and they've been very supportive of the effort. But they also um, weren't just going to, you know, just trust that ISSB's standards were going to come out the way that they thought would be useful. So they actually, um, you know, followed our work very closely as we were developing it. And then they put together a task force that, that did uh, a review of 
of the, the ISSB standards and then made a recommendation. And the membership body basically voted to say, we endorse the, uh, the ISSB standards in the sense of saying they encourage their, um, basically they're finding them suitable uh, for a basis, like a global baseline uh, for capital markets uh, around the world. And they're encouraging their member organizations to go back to their home jurisdictions and to either you know, mandatorily adopt these standards into their capital market requirements or to you know, adapt them or in some way encourage them in an appropriate way for, for their circumstances. Um, we know in some capital markets, they're, they're very willing to say like, and companies are you know, open to the idea that like, just tell us what to do and, and we'll do that. And other ones, uh, you know, the U.S., for example, tends to be a little more of like it works better on a, a voluntary basis, at least until there's a pretty big critical mass oftentimes. But, um, but that's a significant thing because it now makes it easier for any of these uh, jurisdictions if they if the capital market regulators think that it's a good idea to bring this into what they expect the publicly listed companies in their jurisdictions. Uh, it makes it easier because they can say, look, uh, this is our membership body has basically endorsed this. And so um, and just to, to give an example, uh, you know, I mentioned the IASB back in 2001 got created. Um, the, the way it came to be used in over 140 markets around the world was the first thing that happened is that IOSCO endorsed it and said, this is this is uh, we believe. Uh, appropriate for use for capital markets around the world. And then it led to essentially becoming like the default global standard. So fingers crossed that that happens for the ISSB as well. Jeff, I just want to thank you so much for your time and uh, for such a thorough, interesting uh, presentation. And I hope this was, uh, you know, useful to everybody uh, who attended. Again, we're going to follow up with links to the uh, next two session in the series. And uh, <clears throat> if you're interested in learning more, you can contact us um, and we can help you get in touch with, with Jeff um, if you have any questions that you want to ask offline. Um, but again, Jeff, thank you so much for, for the presentation and your time. Happy to do it.
Okay.